here it was like, look, if you're done and you want to tap out, tap out, be honest with us, let us go. Your mental health is more important. We know this MOS isn't for everybody. Hello, this is Tab Bartley, and you are listening to the Oath We Took podcast, the show that tells the Marine Corps story through the Marines that served. This is the sixth episode, and I'm joined today by Anna Fidge. She is the reason for this podcast. I know so many amazing Marines who hesitate to tell their stories. Their stories hold so much power and so many life lessons. Oftentimes, though, they go untold. Not every Marine's story is the same. What is the same is the oath that we all took. I'm honored today to have Anna to share about her time in the Marine Corps doing personnel retrieval and processing, mortuary affairs. We discuss her journey of mental health healing and transitioning out of the Marine Corps. Thank you so much for joining me today, yes. Anna. And I thank you for having so, me. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. We actually met randomly at a veteran affairs photo shoot. What was the name of that? Um, campaign. Oh goodness. I can't even remember. We're not invisible campaign. Yes. That we yes, are not. There. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was funny because I think that instantly, like we kind of saw how everybody else was and it was like, you're a Marine. Yes. Crowds. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for joining me today. And the, the first question I have for everybody is, you know, why did you decide to join the Marine Corps? Oh my gosh, that's a crazy, that was so long ago. Um, actually I'd be hitting my 20 year mark this fall, this winter. Um, I joined just to get out. I was, I watched it on TV, the initial push in Iraq and I just, you grew up in a military family. I did. And you watch that unfold on live television. And then you just, you want to do something. You want to help. You want to protect your family. You want to do something bigger. Part of it. I lived in a tiny cow town. I wanted out. So I was like, I'll go, let's go. Let's see what other challenges in the world I could tackle. So, and you said you come from a military family. Were they yeah. Marines or just other branches of service? So my father is a Marine. And then my grandfather is actually in the Air Force, but all my great uncles on my dad's side all served between Korea and World War II. Um, my Aunt Patty actually served in the Navy as well. And then my uncle on my mom's side served. And I have some other uncles and stuff too. So it's it's all in there. It's all in the bloodlines. Yeah. What, yeah, what an amazing legacy. <laughs> and especially to have an aunt that served. That's, you know, it's actually pretty unique to- I called her because I kind of snuck in and my dad probably still mad at me about it today. So if he listens to this, I called her and she called my recruiter. So we, she was helping me and guide me along the way because my dad was like, against it. He wanted me in the army because at that time I wanted to be a medic. I wanted to combat, save and all that great stuff. And I just, I don't know what it was about the Marine Corps. I just fell in love with it she helped guide me through, keep me safe and keep me on the right path. And what amazing to have that like mentorship from the get-go and especially from somebody you can trust. Um, And you said you wanted to be a medic, but obviously the Marine Corps doesn't have medics. So what, what career path did you end up taking? Gosh, it was like a whirlwind. So I started out as a, I was a water dog. Yeah. So I enlisted as a water dog. Okay. Um, 71, the ones that all get made fun of. And I was like, okay, let me move out to the East coast. Um, and they didn't have that position available. Uh, so when I called the unit, they had uh, personnel retrieval and processing. So 0471 as an MOS. And I'm like, what the hell is that? They're like, it's not admin. I promise you. And I'm like, it sure sounds like it. They're like, you're not going out and picking up Marines who run away and all that stuff. They're like, it's completely not even what you think. Um, and it turned out it's mortuary affairs. This is a mortuary affairs specialist that 
we had in the Marine Corps. So Chief Warrant Officer Cheryl Itis fought for the Marine Corps to have our own uh, mortuary affairs occupation. After working through Fallujah and all those, like the different wars that we had going on at the time. Um, so you had to be interviewed to get into the unit and just be cleared. And then at any time you felt like you were just done and you wanted out, you were able to go. There was no harm, no foul, no one be mad against you. It was, you did your time. It's time for me to go Like So that's what I did during my time. That was a lot. And how unique of an MOS too, if you needed to get out, I mean, you, I mean, you said if you needed to get out, I mean, yeah. how almost proactive was that leadership then of like acknowledging that like, you know, where you are and what you need and what was kind of like that impact to like go into something. Cause you had a little bit of a taste of the Marine Corps and then to go into that, which is probably not, not the same. Um, it was different because in the Marine Corps, it's like, you do your job, you're going to do this. If you need out, then you're going to do X, Y, and Z. It was very hard stops in order to even take a right or left turn here. It was like, look, you're done and you want to tap out, tap out, be honest with us, let us go. Your mental health is more important. We know this MOS isn't for everybody. And with that, you know, I've made great relationships. I still talk to a lot of the Marines today. Um, the joke was that there were more bomb, uh, not bombs, more canine dogs inside of the Marine Corps than they were us. And it's true. Like there was just a little packet of us everywhere. So, well, and, and- how amazing of a community then and a support and like, you know, yeah. Marines have instant connections because yeah. they've gone through so many similar things, but to then be an even smaller portion of Marines that like, they get it, like yeah, they got it. But to, to have a career field that in the, in the Marine Corps is hard already, but yeah. one that's already so mentally and physically draining, how was yeah. that as a Marine and kind of how was your experience in the Marine Corps with that? Um, it was awesome. It sucked. There are days where it was shitty. Like you're just like, why, why did I do this? And then you look at the aspect through the training. Um, we trained with the army out of Fort Lee. They actually ran our entire program. Um, so we had Marines, like a gunny I worked with. She was my mentor during class and everything. And then we would go to the local mortuaries inside Richmond, Virginia. And then we would go and spend a week in Dover, Delaware at the port mortuary and just learn more about what it means to do what we do. Um, understand the whole aspect of coming back, um, taking remains of our you know, brothers and sisters who were killed in action or uh, whatever may have happened and just still give them that honor and that dignity and just do it to the finest point that we could down to how we folded certain things, even the creases. You know, you still maintain that military integrity and it was even more crisper then, so. And I, you know, when you say that, I instantly think not even just like the impact of that Marine, but that Marine's family, who's like, like, it's such a big impact that touches Mm -hmm. so many people that you're, I mean, you're having a, you know, a hand in it. And, 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 um, I, I think that that is, you know, until I met you, I don't even think I realized the Marine Corps had that job. We did. We started, I think it was approved in about 2005, 2006. Chief Officer Idols was able to get it approved. Um, and then they kind of just started from there. It was just, they had a group of Marines and they did it inside of Fallujah and they came back and they 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 did it even more and they brought did it on a broader spectrum. They brought more Marines in and um, there was actually Marines out of Ohio that started doing it. So we were a reserve unit, but we were constantly on the go, constantly activated, come home, sign back up, go back out uh, type of deal. And then there was also another unit outside of Marietta, Georgia. 
So there's just two little pockets of us that we all work together for the entire Marine Corps. And with having done the job and, and seen it, you know, at the beginning, why do you think it is such an important job for Marines to do? We're so proud. We love our own. We want to take care of our own. We don't want, we love being a Marine. We love our Marines. And then, you know, it's that brother and sister tag. Like, yes, we're going to help no matter who comes across or who is killed in action. But to be able to take care of our own Marines is just, it means so much more. You know, it's just, those are your brothers. Those are your sisters. You know, regardless that they're not blood or not, it, you're there to take care of them. And you want the best, you know, the finest traditions to take hold after their passing and give that to the family. And how was the, while you were in, how was like your mental health or was that impact? What kind of proactive things besides just saying, you know, when you've had enough, what were some other things that your unit did or they did to like help you guys with that? There was a big change. So at first it was, don't talk about it. Don't, don't bring up your mental health. Don't talk about it because if you talk about it, they're going to pull you. Then we can't go back together. You know, we become such a family, you know, brother and sister, and you just, you don't want to leave each other because we're in this together. No one else will understand what we do. I mean, to the point that no one sat by us in the chow halls across the world. Once they figured out what we did, no one sat next to us. They would sit like three tables away, even in Iraq, three tables away. Um, you know, so you just, you stuck together. And so you protected each other and you're like, Hey, don't talk about it. But if you need to talk about it, bounce off of us, talk with us. Um, my mental health, I didn't take care of it after mine came crashing down a couple of years later. Um, because you learn how to bury it. You learn how to remove yourself and just, you do the job, you do it well, you stick together. Um, and a lot of us did that and we struggle. You know, I've had friends, brothers, Marines that have, you know, suicide, like it's prevalent. It sucks. And you're just like, I really need to help. Like, how do we make this better for everybody? Cause we don't want somebody else to go. What we just went through losing each other. And how was the transition out of the Marine Corps and your, you know, your career path now you're, you're directly making an impact right on, on yep. that. And you've, you've gone through, you know, your own mental health and like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just enough for you to figure out how to handle your mental health. You're like, yeah. I can do more. I need to do more and I will do more. So yeah. What was that transition like for you? It was crazy. So my husband at the time I was married, as soon as I was done, um, we moved to Japan. And so I, a little one, I had a, a brand new baby boy and stuff. So it was like learning to do all that stuff in a whole new country. So it was just getting through all that. And then it came crashing down and you're just like, you you have postpartum and you, you don't talk about postpartum depression. That's another big thing that women don't get to talk about. So you have that. And then no one wants to talk about mental illness. No one wants to talk about it. That doesn't exist. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I had a great therapist after I had a mental breakdown inside of a bathroom over the smell of bleach because we bleached everything so I went to the doctor and the doctor didn't believe me she pointed to my husband at the time and he was like no I, we're talking about her and she was like oh and like her whole face changed um and she was a neighbor doctor and she was wonderful and she stopped what she was doing she walked out and she got the therapist the psychiatrist and he came right in and I had an appointment with him that afternoon so she was even a big advocate for getting my mental health taken care of. Um, so lots of therapy for a while. And I got it under control, learning, you know, what to do, what my triggers were, and just slowly reintroducing back, finding my footsteps. Um, we moved back to the state side. I found roller derby, funny enough. <laughs> like, 
you know, you know, just the constant on the go, the having fun in the Marine Corps, you know, the obstacle courses, you know, different training exercises that you do. So I was like, I need to do something because, you know, an idle mind, idle hands doesn't get you anywhere. So I found roller derby and a great group of women um, back in 2013. And it saved me, like it helped, it helped stop my brain from wandering off into the darkness. I could focus. It was the two hours I had to focus on what I was doing because one, I could hurt myself, break my leg or two, I wouldn't do any good to my team. Um, so that kind of helped rebuild my mental health and everything as well. And that, that brings up something we've talked yeah. about before, like that, that almost like loss of community and that sense of community. And as a like female, and especially yeah. a female Marine, like that transition was like hard. And I think we've talked about how we didn't expect our gender to matter so much because yeah. it didn't when we were in. No. So yeah. how, how is that? Um, and how awesome that like you found then your community and a massive group of women, you know, like kind of the opposite of yeah. the Marine Corps. Yeah, it was, it was awesome to have that. And they, they loved it. They're like, you know, and they helped them like, Hey, I'm just having a rough day, but there was a lot more veterans, you know, we had referees, you know, we had male teams and stuff and there are veterans too. Um, one of our refs that were assigned, you know, that worked with our team back in Indiana, he was an army veteran. So it was, it was awesome to hear that he understood. He's like, I got you like, or other women are like, I got you. I've been through it. You know, we're, we're cool. I got you. So it was, you still find the community, but inside of another community. So, and then you just keep growing and meeting people. And then your career path. So you changed career yeah. paths when yeah. you got out. And so can yeah. you tell me a little bit about your career and what you do now? Currently, I work for a large company um, in the medical industry, and I work with outreach and community, and I help, you know, members and patients engage with different programs that are assigned and available within their insurance out here in West Michigan. So it's a nationwide company, and then I just get to handle West Michigan from Traverse City all the way down to the state line. Um, I have my team, and it's awesome, and my team's actually even all over the, the U.S. too. Oh, that's so cool. So it's like I have the team right here in West Michigan that I work hand in hand with. And then I have a telephonic team that's, you know, from Florida to Alabama to Missouri. So, And you feel like your time in the Marine Corps kind of really pushed you to that path yeah. and what you're yeah. doing now um, and that you feel that fulfillment that yeah. like, not the right. It's never yeah. the exact same thing, it's but a, no. yeah, it's along the lines too. I was like medical, you know, let me go into more of the medical medicine side. And I'm like, I just can't, I, I don't know if I could suffer going through all that loss again, after seeing all the things I've seen with the death side of it. I'm just like, I don't know how I would lo feel losing a patient. And I was like, I can't, I can't put myself to it, but I always just stuck with that medical, that helping, caring, giving, um, actually when living in Indianapolis, I worked for a large uh, health network down there, hospital-wise, hospital. And I worked with some other veterans inside the hospital to create a, you know, an honor walk. So we would have veterans in our care inside the hospital. Um, so I helped with one of the lead nurses and, you know, he was one of the VPs. We worked together. I created a whole process based on everything that I've learned from, you know, mortuary affairs inside of Iraq, taking care of our KIAs or angels um, and getting them home, the different steps to do and our different processes and built that in to make it hospital so that these nurses these providers these family you know everyone is still honored they can still pay their respects and still give that honor to that veteran who passed away in our care um and if they didn't pass away in our care and they were just there because they were ill or they needed something we would have a nice little pillow that these wonderful volunteers lady would make for them 
Um, and we had a bag of different items that they may need, you know, help reference, find help or get other items. So, which is such a huge, like, yeah, at least like when I moved in as a veteran, like finding references is so much harder in the civilian world than it felt like it was, at least for me in the Marine Corps, it felt like, okay, you may not know, but you knew like where to start at least. Yeah. Yep. And that was at least for me was like a 180 in the civilian world. It's like, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know where to begin. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I just, you know, I love the processes, you know, and I found a way to get back and it was just, it kind of always found me. Um, I worked in the biomed part of the facility as well. And then, you know, I was always, you know, retail. Retail was my background before I joined into the Marine Corps. I was a waitress. I worked at the mall stores. And so I had that knack as well, but that medical just never really left. And so you just, you find other ways to still be able to help, but not be in direct patient care. And what is, what is a moment in your Marine Corps career that you felt just like impacted you and is going to stay for you like forever in a positive that was kind of, you know, with good days and bad days, it was kind of the day or the thing that you could go back to and be like, this is why I'm doing it. Or this is why I can do it. Or even this is the individual that got me through it. Um, what, what is some, a story or a person or a, a moment? Um, It'd be at Dover. So one of the Marines that came across was one of the female Marines. Um, she was killed during the Linus program, um, which was sending female Marines out to checkpoints inside of Iraq. And she was killed by a uh, Iraqi woman who had a vest on, who ignited it, who detonated it at the checkpoint, um, and also killed another Marine as well in that act in that situation. I had not known that she was killed in action at that time um, until I was there you know, doing our tours, starting our rounds to learn the processes and everything. And she was there. And so I didn't really believe, I was like, she looks really familiar. Her name looked familiar. I remember picking up her ID card and just, just looking at it. And I'm like, why is she so familiar to me? Um, turns out we went to boot camp together, did some training. Um, so that was like the first time I, it like just all sunk in and just like, wow you know, there's not many of us. And then like, your heart is broken, but then I'm like, you know, I'm going to do the best job that I can because she deserves that. Her family deserves that. And then a, being able to do the send off, um, with her mom, her mom came in and, you know, we all go outside and we send off, we do our formalities and everything. Um, so it was, it stuck with me. I'm like, that's why we're here. This is why we're doing this because to give that family, you know, a little bit more peace. We can't fix it, but and how how and how small the Marine Corps is. Like, I mean, how like that's something that continuously amazes me over and over. Like, how small the Marine Corps really is, and how few people join, and then how like they joke about it all the time. You know, like crossroads of the Marine Corps is Quantico, or like how you're going to see somebody so many times throughout your career, and it's just yeah, it's just it. I think it, it better like emphasizes the impact that like why we have these relationships or why, when you meet another Marine, it's like, I know you've experienced so many of the same things I have just because you're a Marine and how, how impactful that is. And I can't, I can't even imagine that moment. I know. it was crazy because I'm like, I knew friends that were still in Iraq at the time. I had another close friend who 
you know, my family would send cookies to and everything. And when I got back, he didn't want to tell me he was hit by a VBID, a vehicle born ID. He didn't want to tell me all that stuff. He's like, I know what you're doing. I did not want to terrify you because, you know, that was a terrifying moment for me to sit there. You know, you get a body bag. You don't know who's in there. You don't know what happened. You just know that you have a lot of heartbroken, pissed off Marines and you're just trying to keep them calm. And then you're trying to be like, you're just holding your breath and you're just praying. You're like, I, you know, you're already devastated, but you just hope it's somebody that you don't care about. Um, but you know, we don't get that choice. It's just, you still, we do what we do. We swallow that and we still give them 110%. And you mentioned you went through therapy. Was there a specific type of therapy you went through? Were there things that, that you did mental health wise that really helped you? Um, because like one of the things I've learned with my trauma is that, you have the power, right? And there's ways that you can like start doing things, but there's still tools you always have to use. It's not like there's a one, a one, like you do this thing and Hey, you're all great now. Like you put a cast on a broken arm and it's fine. Like that's, that's not really how mental health works. So what are some of those tools that you've used and then like continue to use? Um, taking it day by day, taking a reset, um, understanding my triggers. So my therapist, he was, amazing. Um, I had him for a year while I lived in Japan and I didn't want medication. I knew at the time medication, well, it, it sucked. I was like, I don't want to be a zombie. And he looked at me, he goes, imagine your leg being broken. I said, yep. He goes, so would you put a cast on it? And I said, well, yeah, I want it to heal. Right. And he goes, well, that's what this medication does. It takes your brain, puts a cast on it and lets it take a break. And I said, are you sure? And he's like, that's what this is for. He goes, you need, your brain is so in overdrive because you're always three steps ahead, especially with our job. We had to be prepared on what we did. Um, and so you, he's like, just take the medication. You'll slow you down a minute, take that hypervigilance out, you know, that worry, the anxiety. He goes, you will sleep. I was having problems sleeping because my nightmares are so bad because you just get in a state of constant loss that you don't know how to dig out. And you're like, what do I do? And so it would just step-by-step, um, being active, going out for a walk, going to the gym, um, finding somebody, calling somebody and just be like, I am not okay today. Like today is a shitty day. What do I do? You know, does it just sit down and watch movies all day or is it, you know, what would make me feel better? Um, some of the other things I would do was write one of the Marines, um, that were in my unit. He wrote a book about what we did and he goes, right. He goes, no one has to read it. He goes, get it out. He goes, don't let it sit inside of you. And he goes, burn the book afterwards. He goes, I don't care what you do with it. Don't read it. He goes, just write it out, throw it away. He goes, nothing can hurt you anymore. You just have to work your brain in another position. Get it, get it ready and get it going. So, and, and how in control does that like feel? Like it almost puts you yeah. right, like in, like I now hold the pa- the power when, like at least for me, that's how it felt. Like I like didn't have the power or the control when that's like the, like for me, again, maybe it's the Marine thing. It was like the coping mechanism was like, do, do, do. And then it was like, just keep going, keep going, keep going. You're past running on fumes. You're running on like empty. And you're just like, no, I'm gonna keep going. Cause if I keep going, they can't stop me. I'm still invincible. And then when you, you, like you get out, it's like, I'm not invincible. I was like halfway crazy with some of the shit that I did. And my therapist is like, you have no regards for your own person. He goes, you have a child. You have this. He goes, think about those things outside of you, the ripple effect that you would have. And I said, oh, that's true. But you know, it took a long time to pull out of that. I still struggle. There are certain days and I'm like, I hate it. 
it's stupid, but it's recognizing triggers, large crowds, uh, play with it a little bit, go into large crowds and it'll be okay. Um, sometimes I'm like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, is it drinking? And a big thing for us is, you know, we love to drink. We love to party. I have found that I actually watched myself stop drinking when I knew I was going down that rabbit hole and I needed to get out because drinking never made anything better. So. And you said earlier, like being able to just tell somebody like, you're not okay. Like those like simple, yeah. like it sounds yeah. so simple, right? It like sounds it so simple. sounds so simple, but that yeah. alone, like, I don't know how many people I've talked to, like, especially in the transition. Cause it's almost like everything waits like until yeah. that moment. And then all of a sudden you're just like a crying mess. Yes. You're like, yes. I don't know what's going on. You're like, I just know it's broken. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I've had it where I walked up to people, you know, friends that I had were really close at the time. And I'm like, I'm, there's something wrong. I'm like, I don't know how to fix it. I just know I need help. And they're like, you're fine. And I was just like, and then that just crushes you to take all the courage. I just have to be like, I'm not okay today. Something's wrong. I don't know how to fix it what do I do? Like, I'm asking for help because I trust you as like my close friend. And you're like, no, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, and then you just, you sink back into that hole more. So it's also surrounding yourself with like a group. Um, and I have some great friends here and I'm great friends in Indianapolis that I can be like, I'm not okay today. Can we do a check-in? Can we talk? Can we just, just do something? Um, and we have that now. And it, it's, it's helped a lot understand that you know they've been there too so and I think that like for me too that was like part of my like when I went back home it was like my old you know friends from growing up I felt like I couldn't burden them with anything I almost felt like okay if I had Marines around me I could talk to them because it wasn't a burden they went through they went through shit right like they went through shit too yeah but these friends even though like it's not like they have a perfect life either but I felt like it was something I couldn't burden them with and I think that was a struggle for me and again like we've talked about it before like all of a sudden like the gender mattering mattering so much in the scheme of like I'm telling you I'm not okay why are you so hyper focused on like my gender and all these like other like other things maybe it's your period (laughs) yes I promise you I know the difference I'm like there's a checklist in my brain I said I can I can start to tell the difference uh, and it's just, you know, resetting from there. Is it like going back to therapy? Is it just, you know, do I need to cry? I'm like, do I put in a sad movie and just like ball my eyes out because then, you know, don't cry. We can't cry as Marines, you can't cry. So, but then also too, like with me, I'm like, how do I explain people to people like what I just seen in my dreams without terrifying them? And they're like, well, what happened? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could tell you guys that because you're going to look like I'm crazy and then you're going to want to put me in a psych ward. I'm like, but I know I'm not that crazy, but. I don't want you guys to be terrified of me either. And finding that space where you can not feel like you have to edit what you say, because I think that's a huge part of like being able to actually heal is like not feeling like you have to edit what you're saying. Um, And like, again, like the writing and just getting it out. Sometimes that's literally like, it just needs to get like, yeah, just get it out. (laughs) Just go, go. Get it out. You know, what are always going to be there. So, yeah. What are some of the, you know, super positives or the things that like you've really taken from the experience on, you know, kind of the positive side and you like you're able to use now, or you're able to like draw back on? I think even when it's like the worst in life, like with everything going on in the world, you're like, I'll still be okay. 
because this is not as bad as what I, I went through already. Like you have that mental toughness, that mental integrity, and you're, you're just like, I can get through this. And it, the Marine Corps taught you that. They built you that. You can have nothing, you know, on you or shit can be going down around you, but you can still keep that mental clarity. You can still keep that focus, um, still drive forward. And, you know, you mentioned being a parent and the struggle of that. And, and one thing that like I've noticed in me and my husband is like, as we're trying to like heal and fix our trauma, like one of the biggest things is like, as a parent, how do I do this? So my child sees it, but then without, like you said, like scarring them or overly impacting, what are some of the things that you've used or the tools that, that you've like come or how has that experience been for you? It was a little crazy for a little bit. Like I find my stress levels too high. I find that I snap and I get very pointed and I want everything done X, Y, Z. And it's gotta be this way and that way. Like everything has to be perfect. And then I realize what I'm doing and he just kind of, my son will look at me and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, and I apologize. I'm like, this is my, I'm just struggling. He goes, no mom, I can tell you're having a bad day. And I said, I know, but you know, and I explained it to him. Um, and we talked through it and I said, this is not directed towards you. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to do better. Um, and so that has helped me catch it before it spirals. That trauma spirals and just sucks everybody in around you where you just want to like go and hide and just never get out of your bed where the depression and anxiety hit. Um, so that has helped talk him through it because how do you explain to a child, even though he's 13 now, I'm like, how to explain to him like what I've seen without terrorizing him, you know, but saying, Hey, this is part of life too. So it was just, you know, we talked about it. Luckily, you know, there was movies like taking chance, or there's been a lot more movies about, about the canines, the dogs, the working dogs. Um, and just kind of using that to help guide be like, you know what, then I would do this. Uh, there was a Marine that was killed inside of the Afghanistan attack here a couple of years ago that was from Indiana. And so we went up there to do, you know, just to watch the send off to support the family and everything in Logan's Um, And to be able to take him and be like, you know what, this is what your mom did. I did this so his family and the town and the world can heal and have this. And he was like, oh, he goes, there's just so many people. And I said, yep. I said, that is why I did what I did. It's not about me. It's about getting him back to his family and giving them everything that they deserve because I can't fix it. I can't heal it. But we can make it a damn good send off for them. So, which is such a, I mean, that's just such a power. I mean, that in itself is such a powerful thing. And, and I remember that I yeah. lived there in Indiana as well. And to see, to see the community, mm-hmm. um, I think that a lot of times we don't see that, especially in these small towns, because you don't, you don't have that many people in the Marine Corps. Right. So it's like literally like one marine or the like whatever so when it it does happen and you see a whole community like come together to to celebrate the life right and that person and like we're gonna remember and we're gonna talk about them and say their name and have have this moment yeah and to be able to again involve your kids so that they can be aware of things without holding the burden like that's the like that's the balance of like being able to bring them along um, and seeing that like, you know, we're as parents, we're not perfect and we're going through things, but not, not giving them the burden. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, and it's such a hard, it is such a hard balance because you're tr- like trying to figure out your own mental health and trauma. It's not easy. Obviously. I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah and he's, he knows he's learned to recognize and he's like, Hey mom, mom. And he's like, Hey, 
So, you know, it, it sucks that he has to do that, but sometimes it kind of pulls me back. Like he's recognized it and he's like, are you, are you good? He's like, why don't we just like adjust? And like, and I want to be better and I want to be a good mom and stuff. And so he, he's like, oh, pizza's fine. Mom. We don't have to cook. We, you know, we just have to, he goes, we got pizza, mom. We'll watch movies and hang out, play video games. So sometimes it's just like, those such little like seem like such little moments but they're really like they're really not they're so they're so impactful and is there anything about your marine corps career that you would change um anything you would like potentially do different if you had the opportunity to i would have tried to stay more (laughs) (laughs) Um, i loved it i loved meeting everybody in the training and stuff like you at first you're just like so irritated sometimes like either you're like yes I'm out and you're like I hate this I hate the Marine Corps I hate everybody it's like leaving high school you're just like I want out and then you're like I miss everybody like I miss my crazy friends you know doing crazy things but then also still like growing and be able just to go and like learn all these cool things do like the crazy things that you can't do in the normal world anymore like, Hey, let's go to the range and just shoot all these really cool weapons or let's go drive tanks and stuff. And, you know, you can't, can't do that. Right? So, um, I think just, I miss everybody to be honest, but it's great. Social media has made it great. Um, meeting people and then still being able to connect. God, that's awesome. Like I'll be out in Vegas. I'll see one of the Marines I was out there out in DC with, and already had plans to go to the leather neck bar. And right. I'm that's like, awesome I'm super pumped to go see i'm like who else are we gonna run into because like you said the marine corps is a small world um i was in kuwait leaving iraq and i ran into one of the guys i grew up with who happened to be a marine who was leaving at the same time and i was like hey kyle and his marines are like you didn't you didn't address him by his rank and i was like i grew up with kyle so it was like <laughs> weird um and i was like i'll see you at the pub in a couple weeks and we literally were at the pub in a couple weeks at home um, back in Michigan, you know, from Kuwait and stuff. So the microphone dings, so small. And so small. Them, somebody else, you know, probably knows that. Exactly. <laughs> and if you had to take the oath again, would you? Yeah. And honestly, I don't think I ever stopped. I think that's just something that sticks with you. You go in there, um, you go to, you know, I went through OIF and stuff and you're just like, it never goes away. You know, I want to protect my family. I want to be able you know, to live on this land. I love it. So awesome. I think that's a wrap. I mean, that was such, I feel like it was such a good conversation and I appreciate you so much coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I love hearing your story. This is the Oath We Took podcast. And you just heard a piece of Anna's story. You now know one more Marine and one more piece of Marine Corps history. Her service matters. Her stories matter. Not every Marine story is the same. We didn't all join the military for the same reason. What is the same is the oath that we all took. An oath that easily could have ended in death, and for some, it did. So listeners, instead of asking you to thank a Marine for their service, I'm going to challenge you to continue to listen to their stories instead.